Welcome to Marketing Talks, a podcast that unpacks the careers of marketing leaders by providing insight on how they are growing the brands and organizations they are a part of. Learn practical tips and strategies on how you can grow within marketing while avoiding mistakes along the way. All right. Hey, everybody. My name is Jonathan Kaur, and in today's marketing talk, I'm going to be talking to a marketing and branding professional who has spent an extensive amount of time in the apparel industry. My guest today, Bart, was formerly the head of brand and VP of marketing for Strideline, where he collaborated with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, such as Marshawn Lynch, Saquon Barkley, and Antonio Brown, just to name a few. He is now the director of partner partner development for LTV Digital, where they help brands grow the lifetime value of their customer. Thanks for hopping on this call, Bart. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. Awesome. So let's kick it off. Obviously, you know, COVID-19 is affecting everybody in the world right now. You know, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of unknowns uh, out there, you know, existing in the world. How is it going for you? And and has it affected you much just from like a personal and even, you know, business standpoint? From a personal standpoint, just all all is well on that end. Everybody in my immediate family, friends, everybody's healthy there. Um, so I haven't experienced, you know, thank God, anything there. But uh, from a business standpoint, definitely everybody's seeing some impacts um, across the board, um, especially, you know, physical hard good companies that, that manufacture anything um, overseas or even manufacture here, um, along with fulfillment centers are definitely hit. Um, so yeah, I've definitely hit, seen some slowdowns during this period, but it's also a good time to kind of get down back into the trenches and, and see what other opportunities are out there. Um, so I've definitely done a lot of pivoting. I feel like I'm in a basketball game at all times. Um, just kind of moving, move, rolling with the punches, but yeah, I've picked up some new clients myself, um, whether it's like project base or, um, kind of retainer based consulting clients that are more in the uh, digital space. So, you know, with, with uh, companies and services being in the digital space, they don't have to ship a product and they don't necessarily um, have to have a bunch of employees in offices all at once. So yeah, just kind of working more on that. And I also think it's a good time to just invest in yourself if you, if you have the ability to, uh, to do so, you know, just build, if you are, like you said, you, you've wanted to do your own thing and, uh, kind of establish your own business, whether it's consulting or or uh, just project-based businesses. But if you can spend some more time on, on developing your own personal brand and what you can do for people, I think there's no better time and we're all at home, kind of not much else to do. So yeah, yeah no, uh, yeah, the, 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 there's a lot of opportunity out there, but le- like we were talking before, you know, we hit record on this. Um, there's a lot of, uh, we don't like to use this phrase, but uncertainty or fear, you know, out there, you know, people are having to deal with on a consistent basis or maybe not even acting, maybe just chilling, maybe just kicking back right now. Um, yeah. But obviously, obviously you have experience, like I mentioned within the apparel industry, working with Strideline, you're now with LTV Digital. I saw that you had worked in the past with Urbanity and, and different companies along that uh, apparel space. How did you start in marketing? How did I start in marketing? Um Wow. Uh, in college, I believe it or not, went to college to try and be a dentist, um, mainly because I grew up around this kid that in high school, we were best friends and his dad was a dentist and he had like everything in the world. <laughs> I had like basketball courts and like lived on a house on the lake. And when you're a little kid, that's super impressionable. So 
all of us are like, okay, if you want to have all this cool shit in life, you need to be a dentist. And so uh, I went to college. I was like, I'm going to do something in the medical profession. And then I hit chemistry and math and was like, okay, well, I can't do any of this. Uh, just kind of knowing and being self-aware that was just something I was not interested in, but I was always interested in, um, in music and fashion and marketing and just kind of like talking to crowds and, and, and kind of shifting and moving culture, whichever way I could. And that even goes to like simple things of like, uh, DJing and like making apparel for parties and all these things that are just kind of fun, but sellable. Um, and so in college, I really got into blogging, like in 2008, um, I'm 32 years old. So like when I started college in 2008, it was like blogging was like the biggest thing, um, websites like two dope boys and, and hype beast and, um, all these sneaker blogs and stuff just started popping up. I know that some of those names are like either ancient or still current, but blogging was so big. And so. I started a website called Fresh University, which was just like, I'm at Wazoo, I'm, I have class, and then I love to like write about either fashion, music, or sneakers. And so I would just daily wake up, write like 10 blog posts, then go to class. Or just anything would happen on another blog that was bigger than mine, I would just take that and write it on mine. I'm not ashamed to say I would just steal other people's news and write about it. Um, and so that kind of, I wouldn't say like took off, but it kind of got some buzz within the collegiate, uh, like Northwest collegiate realm of, of things. And so I like made apparel behind it uh, with like sponsor little events. And when I say sponsor, I mean, just like put up a banner and not pay for anything. Um, and just kind of hack different ways of growing this fresh university brand. And it, and it grew within um, like the wazoo and like Greek system and, and that's all it really did. And, um, but it did catch the eyes of like some Seattle people and they're kind of like, Oh, who's this person like blogging nonstop and, and putting up all of these articles. And so it caught the eye of, uh, like you mentioned urbanity and like rich kids brand, which was, a uh, some, uh, apparel brands earlier on that were birthed around the same time I was going to college. And then at the same time, I was um, printing like T-shirts for different events and um, promoting events while I was still in school just to try to like make some extra money because we're all broke in college unless you are like a trust fund kid and can get, you know, direct deposits all the time. But um, yeah, so I, I just really found myself doing that all the time and never felt like I was actually like working a serious job. I just... It was just fun. I was writing articles. I was making clothes. I would end up making some, a little bit of money off of it, but it never felt like um, I was in it for the monetary gain. And so um, after a while, like those brands in Seattle would notice what I was doing in college. And I got some job opportunities out of college to do um, social media marketing and like kind of just growth hacking Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. And then MySpace was dead by then. So it was like, um, not, not even a platform at that point, but yeah, I just really got interested in how like you can build a brand from scratch. Cause that's what I did. And you can get people involved around cultural norms and, um, just kind of build it up. And so my like general interests in marketing are what led me to 
studying um, digital culture and or as a digital technology and culture was kind of the major I ended up with at, at Wazoo. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I just want to keep doing this and how can I do it on a bigger scale? Um, so that was kind of like my first spark into marketing and then um, other jobs naturally followed. With what you explained, it, it, it resonates with me and especially some of the conversations I've had recently. Obviously, EJ was my uh, recent guest and then Galen a, a few weeks ago. I'm seeing different, you know, people in business who have uh, who have like more of a knack for creative be naturally drawn to more of marketing. Like, like for me, I'm, I'm also very drawn to uh, music. I was a musician before I actually came into the marketing realm myself. And even from an apparel standpoint, like yeah. I, I was commenting on somebody's LinkedIn today and they were just talking about, you know, how people buy based off of emotion, based off of a brand instead of just like the actual transaction. And, and, and one of the things that came up right in my mind was, when I was able to save up for my first pair of shoes, which happened to be, you know, uh, Nike Air Force Ones, you know, like <laughs> they, they, they were super yeah. nice. But but for me, like just remembering that that moment uh, was very like impactful for me because I'm like, wow, like this is what I've wanted and I finally have it. So I, I'm interested. So the reason I'm sharing this is what similarities, like what types of characteristic characteristics do you think people have that go into marketing? Because I've been noticing a trend from a creative standpoint. What, what are some of those maybe outlier characteristics that you've noticed talking and getting to know a lot of other marketing professionals that really stick out and that may kind of not exactly line with what you do, but there are similarities there. Yeah. Um, I think it, it depends what pocket you fall into. Cause there are, um, there are just transactional marketers out there too. Like um, I, I think you fall into um, you're the creative marketer or you are that technical transactional marketer and, those people I find like I've always been on the creative brand side, but then I was almost, almost fell into working with a lot more of these um, transactional marketers where they're like, Hey, that's cool. And that's compelling and emotional, but how do we get it? Um, how do we get somebody to purchase it in the simplest way? Like when it comes to building a landing page or how does your email look, does your email get delivered? Does it get seen? Are we optimizing creative to perform within the first three seconds on Facebook and Instagram? So there's either, I would say there's super creative and outgoing marketers that are all about the great idea. And then there's the guys that are more technical and kind of tucked back into the transactional aspect of things. And they might not even fall so much into the, uh, into like a true marketer type of personality that uh, society like knows us to be, but more into this like developer role. Um, and so I feel like those roles are, are meshing a lot more. Um, I, have, I have a really good buddy who is um, one of the uh, higher up developer at, um, at Nordstrom on, on the app. And he, he's, he's always telling me like, man, you should come work over here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I'm not a coder or a developer. And then he kind of like breaks it down and he's like, no, it's, it's, we don't need any more coders or developers. We need more people that have ideas and then we can build, you know, the language behind it. But, um, I, I'm not sure if I'm answering it this like perfectly, but I would say on my end of things, I would say a lot more creative and outgoing and like passionate behind what they're selling. Cause I I've, had to take on some clients where I'm just like, 
all right, I'll take your money, but I'm not really like all in on this product. Um, and I find myself not enjoying that as much. Um, I feel like if you can actually put some passion and creativity behind a product you believe in, then then that makes you a much better marketer than, than somebody that just gets paid to take on a project. Yeah, no. And I actually think your illustration breaks it down very clearly. I think when you were explaining it, I instantly thought of, you know, the dynamic within Apple of like a Steve Jobs and a Steve Wozniak. You have the visionary, the one that's yeah. always trying to iterate and, and and make the product better for the market, for the consumer. Whereas Steve Wozniak is like, okay, how are we, in, you know, like he's more the technical thinking it from that st- you know standpoint. And I'm sure we see that a lot within startup, the startup and tech industry right now, you know, more of a technical founder and or co-founder and a visionary um, creative co-founder. So I, I think you actually broke that down really well. So now, Going, you know, uh, as a former uh, head of growth and VP of marketing for Strideline, you oversaw a lot of marketing functions within the business. My curiosity right now to, uh, to uh, in this next question I'm going to ask you is, what is what, what was the most rewarding part of that job, of that, uh, of that position that you had at Strideline? Um, I think it's, it's different from a lot of, I think a lot of marketers answers would be certain successes in like revenue spikes or like a, or a year where we broke certain like monetary records or something. But for me, it was always the new relationships that were developed through the brand. So like knowing that I can provide value to a Marshawn Lynch or to a Saquon Barkley and then like, end up doing an interview with him and he ends up getting rookie of the year like three days later and it's those like moments that are a lot more rewarding than any like giant business transaction and i I feel like it might even be like a weakness of mine really because i i truly enjoy like the relationship building and the moments that are created um but in business it it ends up getting overshadowed sometimes because in business, you're kind of trained to think like, okay, that was cool, but we're scaling. How, how do you like, what's the next move? And so, but yeah, I would say most rewarding thing has always been the relationship building. And it's not even, it's not even with the giant people. It's like, if I can help, um, if I can help like a charity um, in Seattle or like an organization help um, either like, you know, feed the homeless or, um, even donating socks and like making friends with with a charity leader or anything like that is a lot more meaningful to me than hey we had a better Q1 than a Q2 like I, I just don't I just don't get razzed up about that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, and and I think it makes sense from a you know from a creative standpoint. You know, the point we were talking about earlier is you're more fulfilled by actual like more meaning, more actual connection with, you know, the people and the brands and the partnerships that you're consistently interacting with on, on a daily basis. So going in line with uh, what you mentioned about, um, you know, partnering with or yeah, collaborating with like Marshawn Lynch's or the Saquon Barkley's within the sports industry. I'm sure a lot of people are curious and, and you mentioned how you got to interview them. What was that like? What's it like working with influencers? Um, how's that interaction like, you know, and how do you, how do you act or how do you not act around those, you know, types of people? Yeah, I think you don't, you, how you not act is, is the better uh, thing. Cause like if your brand or whatever you're doing is, is in that room with that person, you, you have to believe that you belong there because of everything else that's, you know, happened on your journey. So 
if if you're in a room with Marshawn Lynch, you're in that room for a reason. If you're in a room with uh, a big influencer, you're in that room for a reason, and they wouldn't show up if, if you didn't matter to them also. Um, so you got to treat it as you're supposed to be there. I, I've, I've gotten a lot of like just even like buddies and, and friends that are like, oh, my God, like what was that like? And, of course, it is awesome. Like Marshawn Lynch is one of the like funniest, most – impactful people in, in sports in football history but um it's you know you 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 have to respect their talent and their time and they're there for for you or your brand and it's it's awesome I, I definitely like do whatever I had to do that day but then you kind of sit back and um and you you definitely sit back and appreciate it like whoa I can't believe that happened um and you take it in and then, and then you hope to someday reconnect with them again you know, even from a, from an outside business perspective, I, like, I still work with Marshawn Lynch and his team, um, on other things here and there that, that are good opportunities. And they, they've, uh, grown to trust me, um, with certain like business ventures or suggestions. And I think that that's the coolest thing, but yeah, Marshawn was awesome. I, we did a giant shoot with him. Um, like, a he was a sock scientist for Strideline. Um, and we um we interviewed him about um how soft the socks are and all these random things and he was like playing with chinchillas and uh talking to a therapist about like the support of the socks and uh just so many things but that shoot like nobody would would have seen but it started at 4 30 in the morning getting uh all the equipment building out the set um directing it um like making sure Marshawn sections like filled with everything he wants. Um, like literally building out the set, putting up the lighting, building out all the cameras um, and then waiting for Marshawn to show up at like 1 PM. So I'm there four 30 in the morning with a crew building it out. Marshawn shows up at 1 PM. Then uh, this, the, this is a funny story. Um, my I'm in the like back with Marshawn doing like the, paperwork and making sure he's he's cool with everything and then um, my photographer like hops into the room just to say what's up and mind that Marshawn just arrived and everybody's kind of a little bit on edge because they're like we're hoping this goes well um like they're you know cameras don't break or like lighting's cool all these things there's so many things that go into a shoot and then um Marshawn's like hey who the hell was that <laughs> and um I'm like, oh, that's Kyle. He's, he's, he's a videographer. He's shooting behind the scenes. And he just runs out of the green room and chases him down and just gets in his face. And he's like, yo, what the f***? Like, what, what are you doing in the green room? Like, why are you uh, – like, who are you? I told you – I heard you were talking shit about me. All these things, like, fully confronting him. Kyle's just st standing there, like, frozen. Like, Marshawn's about to whip my ass. And <laughs> – uh, Marshawn's like, oh, I'm just kidding. Let's get the show on the road. And th that's like how he started the shoot. And, uh, yeah, he was like deathly afraid of the chinchillas, which are like these little soft hamsters, um, like did not want to touch them or be around them. Just a, like a full entertaining day that ended at like 7 PM. And then I just like collapsed after the shoot because it was such a long day. Um, but yeah, you, you experience all different types of people. Like, Saquon Barkley, just super powerful, like most impactful running rookie running back. And he was like, met me super respectful. And he's like, 
dude, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. Like take my phone and we'll do this. Like really respectful, love what we did. Um, was super cool during the interview. And, uh, I don't know. I feel like I've been fortunate to work with some like easygoing people, but Marshawn's always a wild card. Like I didn't, I didn't want to end up on YouTube, like asking him stupid questions or something. Yeah, no. And honestly, like from a, like an emotional intelligence standpoint, man, like, Mark, like talk about icebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> talk. <laughs> no, you have no idea. Like you walk into a room for the first time with him. And it's like, what do you say? You could say anything and he'll be like, you know why I'm here or just things that, you know, he could have just one worded me the whole time, but no, he's cool. And, and we've ended up building a, a, a healthy like relationship and kind of a, a business partnership down the road. So, it's been awesome. And like I said earlier, if you're, if you're in the room for, for that purpose, then just, just act like you're supposed to be there. Cause if you, if you force yourself to act a certain way around important people, then I, they'll sense it oh, yeah. in one way or another. It'll just be awkward. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I even think in a, in a general standpoint, I, I think we can sense in general as human beings when somebody's being a little bit disingenuous or like not being themselves and trying too hard. Yeah. And it just comes, it, for some reason it comes across offensive, but it, it makes sense. So, so now from a like influencer marketing standpoint, uh, th- you don't have to go into specific details about specific people or campaigns, but how, like, have there, have there been any like, uh, influencers or partnerships where it didn't go well or where it, it actually wasn't as, you know, as, as well or as good as it, as you thought from an actual um, like personality standpoint or just connecting with certain people? Yeah. I, I wouldn't say there was uh, ever like too much and oh, I don't think it started raining. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, too much animosity or any like bad blood between anybody. But um, sometimes people go into and it's on both sides. Like if I'm working with an influencer that has, you know, a crazy, a crazy following and ridiculous engagement and will um, kind of do a, do a deal with them or like a, a partnership deal where um, they, you know, they promote a brand and you're expecting some sort of sales. It's really all over the board. Um, influencers and, and the business structure behind influencers is just the wild, wild west. Like you can, you can have somebody that has a million followers mention your product, put it on their story, do something cool with it and move like three units. And you can have somebody with 20,000 followers that has a really tight knit, genuine following and uh, puts a really authentic story behind something and it'll do a lot better than, than the bigger person. And so, um, yeah, there's, I've, I've learned with a ton of influencers that like n- the numbers you see on Instagram aren't, aren't all that important. Um, I think you can be, you can have a small following and be super influential, or you can have a giant one and do absolutely nothing. Um, and yeah, it's across the board, but I have definitely gone into some where it's been like, well, that didn't work out. So, and then you end up knowing uh, a, a little more about that person from like a, not even like trying to bash or anything, but just from like what kind of pull they really have um, when it comes to their audience. And, um, but there, there, once again, there's the brand growth aspect of using influencers. And then there's the transactional aspect of things. So um, if they didn't sell a bunch of units, but more people knew about the company, then I think that's 
that's also a win to take away sometimes just kind of depends what, uh, what kind of mode your company's in, you know, sometimes you could pay an influencer and be cool with them just growing your brand or you really need them to, to move something for you. So. Tim Ferriss, he he mentioned a book. I haven't read it yet, but it's called Thousand. I don't remember who it's by, but it's like a thousand true fans, and it talks about that same concept of like you don't need millions of people to buy your product, service, or idea. If 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 you get a condensed group of quality, yeah. um, engaged customers, that will go a long way than just having you know the quantity there. Yeah, I'd rather have a hundred people buy my product a thousand times then a thousand people buy my product once. Boom. That should be on a bumper sticker there. <laughs> so now like, <laughs> so now swapping more into like your role now as director of uh, partnership development uh, for LTV digital, how did that uh, transition happen? And then, you know, what are some of the, some of the roles and aspects of your, of, of your position that you've been handling there? Yeah, it was kind of is as, organic as it could be because um ltv had actually been working with strideline um before uh i kind of made the jump and so um the two guys that run ltv um had had helped build up and sell some um, big companies in the past and then they had been working with strideline on optimizing their ad creative and um just really growing their email marketing funnel and then Throughout that time, it was almost like Strideline was growing in other um, aspects of, of the company when it comes to like custom socks and retail, um, which is kind of away from my realm of direct to consumer marketing. But so that part of the company is growing tenfold just because, um, you know, buying a thousand pairs of custom socks is a lot more than going on the website and buying a three pack of socks. Um, so a lot more focus there. And then I, with a couple creatives, ended up pretty much running the direct-to-consumer department on my own with these LTV guys. And so that was like the general building uh, structure and like repetition, the strategy of what we were doing. And then um, after a while, it was like, it was myself and LTV while I was still employed for Strideline, just kind of reporting back to the owners what was going on. And then in the meantime, LTV was growing with new clients outside of Strideline. Um, and they, they're like, Hey Bart, we need you for other stuff. Can you, can you do more than just Strideline? You want to make some extra money? And I was like, yeah, of course. Um, you know, as long as the Strideline guys are cool with it, I don't want to like step on any toes, burn any bridges. Um, because I, w I wouldn't want to just like disrespectfully be like, I'm going to LTV now. Cause what I did here worked. So I'm So I talked to them. They were cool with it. I still get to keep Strideline on as a client and um, at the same time, get to work with more brands. And just personally, I've, I've always wanted to like be able to impact more than just one pocket of, of, of business. And so it's been cool. Like I, it, no hard feelings over there and the transition from working with those guys, LTV guys already to what it is now was just kind of, seamless and now um similar to us doing a Strideline influencer product placement brand building uh email facebook instagram tiktok now um but just for more brands yeah and 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 now like in regards to like you, you uh you mentioned earlier how you have some of your own clients as well doing your stuff separated from everything else 
how uh how has that like helped like how has the experience obviously that you've had with Strideline and then obviously LTV Digital impacted you know the way you approach even your own personal um consulting clients oh tremendously i mean i i've worked with those guys that have probably like 20 years of experience on me um day to day and and just learning like how to kind of balance your ambitions and what actually works in today's e-commerce world um, and implementing those strategies across the board for companies that might not even uh, be thinking about that kind of stuff really, really helps and how you approach a client and kind of assess them on, on what they actually need from a, from an agency standpoint. It's like, I, I probably wouldn't even know that structure if I didn't work with an agency before um actually talking to a business and figuring out what their needs are and if they even have any and what what holes there are in certain companies where you can help and building strategies around that um i think is huge um having agency experience and if anybody ever wants to go out on their own or um or be part of an agency or move up in an agency i would highly recommend like out of college or in college or skipping college, whatever you want to do, but going to an agency and, and really getting that experience just to learn the full cycle of, of what you can do for people. Yeah, no, that's, that, I think that's great advice. I've, I've heard, uh, I've heard and seen a lot of employers too lately, um, you know, saying agency experience is a plus and I'm sure it's just navigating multiple accounts and, and working on different campaigns for, for, you know, different companies I'm sure helps in the long haul. So let's, let's set aside your skills within marketing, your skills within branding, your skills within, um, you know, agency and like, uh, consulting and e-commerce. What, what characteristics when it comes to just being a human being in general, do you think has benefited you to connect with the right people to, um, I guess, make, make opportunities, you know, where ultimately there probably were none, uh, to, to begin with, like, what uh what what are some of those key characteristics outside of your skill set that you believe has contributed to the overall success and growth that you've had within your career? Yeah, I, I always say this. I, I think the one thing is building uh, partnerships off of things you're genuinely interested in, and not not connecting with people or networking with people just for personal gain. Um, I really like feel like this is like a fun way to make more friends that are more interesting than I am. And if you're always like seeking to improve the life of others and add value to theirs while genuinely being interested in, in providing that value and learning from them, I think that's taken me further than anything. It's just kind of like, I can, I can spark up a conversation with anybody at any time when, when I meet them just off of like being able to network with those principles in mind. Cause I don't know. I, I, I've seen the other route of like when people just form relationships to build their company and then you never hear from them again. And, um, I just don't like, don't like that approach whatsoever because it, uh, just from a moral standpoint, I think it kind of, uh, it kind of cheapens your, your brand for what you're doing. And, um, I totally understand, you know, like the Nikes and Pumas and, and the giant brands of the world, like they are, a you know, you're, you're an amazing athlete or an influential person. Here's a, here's a check to promote us. And I totally get that, but 
how much cooler is it when the story behind a partnership is is really authentic like i don't know you could use like the kaepernick story with nike and how that was just real and it wasn't just like oh okay, kaepernick's a football player let's give him a shoe or something um so those those kind of relationship building uh principles i think have taken me further than than anything else yeah, and I think you're uh, kind of touching on the same point we talked about earlier. I, I, I think naturally, whether people want to accept it or not, I think we all have our own unique personal brand or reputation. And you can either navigate that more transactional or more like, you, you know, it's it's uh, uh, this for that. Or it could be a long-term pr- play, you know, from a branding aspect and adding value and actually getting to know people that you're doing business with and actually interested in them as a human being aside yeah. from just what they've accomplished or, you know, what they've done in their life. Right. So now, um, you know, you, you mentioned TikTok earlier. Uh, obviously, that's a, that's a platform that's, uh, you know, been uh, – on the, on the upside. And so I'm curious, how are you, how are you continuing to learn and stay on the cutting edge of marketing? You mentioned growth hacking. That's a very big thing that a lot of people are moving towards now. How do you continue to learn just within marketing outside of just like real life experience that you're, you're, you're getting? Yeah, I just stay tuned (laughs) to like literally any platform that is being used for marketing. I personally use it. I explore it as a as a marketer, but I also just use it as a consumer. So if I, I, it's hard for me sometimes because when an ad or anything is so good that you do end up going through the funnel and purchasing something, I need to remind myself sometimes like, wait, how did they get me? So how, how did that happen? And why was that so authentic? And, um, and I just like for TikTok, like I didn't do anything with it or, or try to become a, a TikTok consultant or anything like that until I put in hours actually using it and seeing what kind of content's being made and who's actually winning on there when it comes to influence and, and brands. Um, so just using the platforms and then just like doing my, you know, subscribe to, um, like the morning brew and certain different like newsletters, um, that every morning I just get hit with new information on what's happening within these platforms. Um, and I'll even find myself like once or twice a week, just Googling in like the word Instagram and looking for updates and all those kind of things. I think there's, you do a lot more learning once you're done with school because like you sure you can take a marketing course, but the next year, everything you learn is pretty outdated and, and, and how, how things are done. So, um, just constantly learning, exploring, using the actual platforms and, uh, talking to, you know, friends within the industry that, that also use those same platforms and see what's been working from them. I don't, I don't think there's ever going to be a, a, a better hack than your own ambition to, to learn more about marketing. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much what I do is just do my own research. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's really good. And you touched on the point, like I, I've seen, you know, uh, different marketing courses or, you know, online classes that people provide. And sometimes some of them are super outdated. I'm like, oh, wow, that actually changed because the algorithm changed or because this little thing, you know, within um, their, their platform completely changed. Yeah. So I think, yeah, they're always changing it. So I think being on, you know, being up to date, super important, but I'm curious, this actually opened up a little bit of a conversation I want to have. Um, what are some of those more foundational pieces that are important that don't change? I, I, I would say like, you know, copywriting, like, um, the ability to sell, you know, 
different things like that within marketing that you think are more important as a marketer that don't change, but obviously the platforms or the tactics or all these things, all, those change all the time. But like, what are those foundational skills that you think are important for any marketer out there? Yeah, I think, uh, well, the one that's super obvious is standing out from the norm. So like the creativity that you put into any of your content, I mean, we hear all the time that content is king, but if you go on TikTok or Instagram and make the same exact content that another successful brand is, um, it's not, it usually doesn't work. So still standing out above the crowd and in, in whatever you're doing and trying to catch those eyeballs as all marketers are trying to do is still going to be fundamental no matter what platform you're using. Um, and then I think no, no better, like, there's no better tactic um, in growing your audience than in sharing your audience. So when you see um, like the guys behind me at Iconic, like those guys are monsters at influencer marketing or custom project marketing to get with a certain audience or an influencer to help grow that influencer's brand, but then theirs at the same time. Um, and so it, it's not in a sense like you should always be cross promoting with other companies, but the, the fastest way to grow your audience is to collaborate with another audience and then kind of like cross, uh, cross promote them. And so I think that's always going to be huge, whether you want to look at it from a perspective of, Hey, you have an email list. I have one. How about we cross promote our products on an email list? Or how about we do a giveaway that has two big audiences or you have a texting platform. So do I, how about we have your fans text me and I'll text them. All that kind of stuff is always going to be fundamental. Um, the platforms are just going to shift, but grabbing each other's audiences in, in an authentic way is, is, is always going to work. And then, like I said before, just standing out with your creative is going to be big, but you got to be unique. Like if you see a company like Theragun putting, uh, you know, their massage guns in, a, in every, fitness influencer in the world, that doesn't mean that your product for, uh, for fitness is going to do the same exact thing with influencers all on Instagram. So, um, there are certain companies that kill it, but then you see a lot of other companies try to do the exact same thing. And it just doesn't work. So uh, concluding this conversation, um, you mentioned you've been doing a lot of marketing stuff since, uh, realistically since uh college that's when you started a lot of your blog and all that uh th th that whole route that just led you into marketing um if you were to look back at you know yourself in college you know when you were 18 19 20 years old um what advice would you give to yourself when it comes from a market like be becoming a marketer becoming a, a great storyteller becoming a great uh you know building brands what advice uh would you give yourself uh, if you were to start all over again yeah, I, I would say just do a lot more of what, what I was doing. Um, I think it's it's easy to like do stuff that, that I see now has like taken me to where I am. But I feel like if I just played around a bit more with other stuff and just trying a lot more things, um, I, I think not to like, I'm not, patience is like my, the biggest virtue and not to say like I would get somewhere faster but I think college is the one ground that you are surrounded by 20,000 people to like, you're surrounded 
by an audience at all times, um, whether you like it or not. And so it is a great testing ground to try different things. Like I should have, you know, sold other different products on campus or tried to throw different events or get more involved in certain organizations. So, um, yeah, the, the more I'm learning is that people do business with people and not with businesses. Um, at the end of the day, like every, everyone that's super successful got there because people actually enjoyed working with them and, um, and they want to collaborate with people they actually enjoy being around. So just kind of meeting more people, working with more organizations and just getting more involved in general would have been probably my, my biggest advice to myself back then. Um, and then just kind of like, don't worry about what anybody else thinks of what you're doing. I, I was definitely like insecure back then on, like I, I'd have people that told me like, dude, why are you doing this dumb blog? Don't do this. It's stupid. You're annoying. I don't like, like your articles keep popping up. But then I'd go to like a classroom lecture and I'd see kids like scrolling through the blog instead of listening to the teacher. So there's, there's definitely less, a big lesson in that. Like, and I think it took me a long time to realize like what anybody thinks of what you're doing is not going to help you. <laughs> so uh, just kind of ignoring all of those voices would have, would have probably been a better choice. Yeah, I think that's great advice for me, for everybody out there. I'm sure there's a lot of potential lost dreams or ideas or um, campaigns or music or brands that don't exist for that same reason that people are paralyzed from what, you know, of the idea of somebody else criticizing what they create or what they make. So I think that's really good advice. So now going into the last part of this uh, interview, I'm just going to go into rapid fire questions. I'm just going to ask you just just quick uh, questions and uh, specifically about marketing. And my first question is what has been your favorite marketing tool or software that you've used? Mm, Instagram. (laughs) It's, it's, it might not be a tool or software, but I've, I've used Instagram as a tool to create a lot of things. Um, Yeah. Instagram. And now, now. (laughs) yeah, for now, uh, and now what's your uh, favorite online marketing course or some sort of class that you've taken that's allowed for you to upskill within your role? Uh, life. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could tell you I took some marketing courses or, or anything online, but I have not. So um, yeah, just doing. <laughs> it's funny because that's exactly what EJ just said too. <laughs> he said life. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm going to start to see a trend, which is good because I th- hopefully this will encourage other, a lot of people who are like, Oh, I don't have the qualifications. I don't have the skills. I don't know this. It's like, okay, go out and do go out and figure it out. You don't have to know yeah. all the answers. Well, there's a lot of people such as yourself, such as EJ. And I'm sure a lot of people who don't, who didn't take a formal class or learn a specific skill. So I think it's really important. So, so now, uh, what is your favorite business book that you've read? The third door. Who's uh, that by? I, have it. I thought I had it here. Oh no, I just gave it to uh, I just gave it to a friend of mine. Uh, do you know Darren Zamanik? I don't. Doctor friends. No. Uh, the third door is this book about um, forget the author's name, but it is so impactful. It's about this guy that was um, just trying to start his own thing. And there was always a third door to anything that he wanted to access. So like 
you have the front door, the obvious door, like go apply for this job, or you have the back door of, of, of something um, you, you might know someone, but then there's always that third creative door that can get you to where you want to go. Um, I'm pretty sure this guy wanted to uh, buy a certain car or do something that required, um, no, I think he wanted to travel somewhere, but it was super expensive. So he hacked his way onto the prices, right? Somehow he got on the prices, right? And then he won and then he used that money to get somewhere. And then he got there and then he started that money, took that money to start a business. And it's just kind of like, there's so many, he goes on to tell a story and then goes on to tell these, all these random stories of, of business people that, um, got to certain certain avenues by using that third door and my third door has always been instagram too it's just like yeah i this might sound kind of uh like sneaky but um like for instance i worked with dj khaled and i i, I met him and, and did some cool things with him and it was like i figured out who his dj was and I figured out who his photographer was. And then it, I figured out like who he worked with last. And it's like, why don't I just try to Instagram DM his photographer to see if they'd be interested in some custom, we the best socks. And then from that came like, I made him some free socks. And then I met him at a Beyonce Jay-Z concert and he like gave me his tickets to the show. And then we ended up doing like a big, we the best collaboration. And it's like, that is an example of the third door rather than being like, Oh, which agent or which record label do I need to write an email to, um, to get, to talk to his agent, his agent will charge me money. It's just, just like kind of screw the traditional routes that are out there. And this book is all about it. I'll definitely put that in, in the description. I'm, I'm for sure going to check that out. Thanks for recommending that. My last question for the rapid fire questions is, Who's your favorite marketer? Somebody either you know or somebody you just admired from afar. This is such a cliche answer by Gary V. <laughs> there you have it. So if people are, are, are interested in, in following and keeping up to date with what you're doing, what platforms or what channels are you interacting with people on a consistent basis? Yeah, I would say from the, from the marketing definitely on LinkedIn. Um, I definitely like to work and industry and social media platforms on there. Um, and then if you just want to see me run a bunch of miles and take pictures of my dog, then uh, Instagram's a good one too. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Bart. I really appreciate you hopping on this call and sharing all your experience, your knowledge, some resources, and even that book that I'm really looking forward to uh, digging into. Um, and overall, just thank you for just uh, uh, you know taking some time out of your day to help out. You tell me out, but then also to help out the people out there who are also wondering and asking questions that I, that I believe you answered today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. This is fun. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show to receive more content like today's episode.